Welcome to Warrensville Reaching New Heights. I'm your host, June Scharf, and my guest today is a real treat. Her name is Dr. Tammy Prince, and she is a Warrensville Heights High School Hall of Fame 2018 inductee. She calls herself the nation's bedside doctor because a big component of her practice is patient advocacy and teaching people how to take care of themselves. Now she lives in Atlanta and this was a conversation we had by phone, uh, which didn't compromise anything at all. And one of the things I think you'll enjoy hearing about is how growing up in this area had a lifelong impact on her. One funny thing she mentions is how her house was essentially the hangout house. Her parents didn't want her going over, over other people's houses for whatever reason, but they were certainly happy to have others come over their house. So a lot of people are familiar with the Prince home. It was actually in Highland Hills. So if this is sounding familiar, that's the reason why. So without any further introduction, I am very happy to introduce you to Dr. Tammy Prince. Dr. Tammy Prince, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Everyone should know you are talking to me from Atlanta, where you live right now. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank and, you for having me. Sure. And most important, you're a Warrensville Heights native. You're a 2018 high school, Warrensville Heights High School Hall of Fame inductee, which is part of the reason I want to have you on the podcast, but also because you've, you've just done such an excellent job with your life, your career, your family, and we're going to cover all that, if that's okay. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> Okay, well, when I say doctor, you call yourself the nation's bedside doctor. So maybe you could explain how you came up with that little um, tagline for yourself. So um, my big thing is patient advocacy. A lot of times when patients come to me, I'm actually a specialist. So, you know, when patients come to me and I'm asking them about their medical history and background, and what their primary doctors have been doing for them, a lot of them are very clueless. They either don't know that they have a diagnosis of a serious um, condition. They either know, um, they know that they have a diagnosis. They're not taking the meds the way that they're supposed to be. And, and a lot of it may be because they're not understanding the importance of it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I wanted to... Um, pretty much take that and make sure that patients truly understood when they leave my office as well as other physicians' offices exactly what is happening with them medically. So if they can explain it to someone else like myself, the specialist who needs to know, or even you know, to a family member who may need to know for the family tree purposes. A lot of people are doing you know, Ancestry.com, um, trying to figure out, you know, where um, they come from. And it's important to know what your family's history is, especially medical conditions, because sometimes things are genetic and they run in the families. And as medical uh, physicians, we need to know that. Okay. So that's where the nation's bedside doctor is. I am teaching patient advocacy, uh, patients and their families. Okay. Well, your training is as an obstetrician and gynecologist, and then you're also um, specialized in occupational medicine. 
and you're with the nation, one of the nation's largest occupational medicine groups where you, the way I understand it, you care for people in the workforce, especially pregnant or injured workers. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. That's correct. Um, I was initially brought on uh, because of my uh, obvious expertise um, with women's health and uh, there was an uptick uh, that they were seeing in um, pregnant injured workers. And so a lot of times doctors who are not in OB shy away from patients thinking, oh, you know, I don't want to do something to harm the baby. But in actuality, you're harming the baby by not treating the mother properly. Okay. So you have to treat mom so that baby can thrive as well. Yeah. Uh, Well, you have a huge outreach component to what you do. You're an author, you're a speaker, um, you've written a book called The Art of Practicing Passion. Can you tell us a little more about that? So the book is actually a part of a collaboration with six other women who are also uh, from Cleveland. Uh, We either grew up together or we know each other through the other ladies in the uh, collaboration. Mm-hmm. So my chapter is um, basically my life's journey um, through uh, getting through medical school and residency and beyond. And what it does is it shows you that there's not always a clear-cut path. Like you think that you want things to turn out a certain way, but it's really in God's time. It's really in Cairo's time when things happen. And so you have to be ready for that. Um, and sometimes when things are not happening the way that they're, you know, you're wanting it to happen, it's because you're operating in Chronos time. So that's what the book is, is an inspirational book to show, hey, you two can, you know, continue your dream, but just understand that it may not be a straight path to your dream, that there may be some turns and winds that you have to overcome in order to get to that dream, in order to get to that next level. Right. Yeah. I think um, I think often we, we think it should be easy or it should be straightforward and uh, not likely to happen, right? Well, why don't you talk about your, your medical school journey? How how challenging was that? <laughs> yeah, so everybody always thinks, oh, you know, we're going to go to college for four years, we're going to go to medical school for four years, we're going to do a residency for however many long, depending upon what your specialty is, as my specialty is OBGYN as a four-year residency. And then you're just going to get out there and you're going to practice until you die. Well, that's not necessarily uh, the case. Um, sometimes... Like for me, I was burnt out after I graduated from college. Mm-hmm. So I took what is now called a gap, you know, yeah. year. Yeah. Um, I actually took two years off in between college and medical school. And I think that that is what helped me to do well in medical school. Matter of fact, my grades were much better in medical school than they were even in college because I was so focused at that point. I had given my brain a, a two-year rest. Yeah. And I also made sure that when I took that gap, I did not work in the medical profession because I need to see for myself whether or not I truly wanted to be in medicine. And so some of the best advice that I got after I graduated from medical school came from one of my uh, sorority sisters. And she said, you know, Tammy, if you work outside of the medical field and during that time you still long for medicine, 
then that's for you. And that's exactly what happened. So I went into medical school and I embraced that entire environment. I loved medical school. Uh, so, um, you know, I then went on to residency. That um, journey, I yeah. ended up starting at one place and finishing at another. Yeah, well, we should. And once again, that, with that uh, journey, you know, once again, that just hones in on the fact that you have to be ready for whatever life's twists and turns are for you. And you can't let that derail you from getting on with, with your dream. If that is truly, you know, what you want to do. And so, you know, my whole journey has been life's twists and turns. But that has made me realize that, you know, medicine is for me. I love medicine. I love everything about what I'm doing. And when I wake up in the morning, I feel great. And that is the kind of feeling that you should have if it's truly something that God wanted you to have. Okay. Well, just to um, further define your your journey, you went to Spelman. I wondered what you majored in. I went to Spelman um, after I graduated from Warrensville, and I guess I should tell you <laughs> or not. Yeah. I graduated in 1991, mm-hmm. the best year uh, for Warrensville, and um, I Actually, um, I was a biology major, so my um, degree is a bachelor's of science in biology. Okay, and then you went... I didn't minor anything. Okay, and you got your medical degree from Wright State University in Dayton, and what I thought was interesting is, in addition to the intense program there, you served as a big sister in a Big Brothers, Big Sisters program in the Dayton area. Correct. Yep. That, you know, just in, uh, was instilled by my parents and also um, people that uh, were surrounding me that you have to give back, you know, what was given to you and you have to volunteer. And um, I've always you know, wanted to volunteer in some capacity. And with the Big Brothers Big Sister program, uh, that was actually um, something that my medical school partnered with them. And um, so I just jumped at that opportunity because it gave me the chance to volunteer and give of myself, as I've always done. Yeah, and how how old was your uh, little sister? She was 13 when we started. Uh-huh. Um, and then she was 16 when we finished up. Now, you said that your life is basically a tale of two cities. <laughs> uh, that would be Warrensville Heights and Atlanta. And mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, you know, what impact did growing up in Warrensville Heights have on you? And, and how has it maybe continued to live inside you? Well, at the time, you know, Warrensville was one of the suburbs where um, everybody wanted to move into um, if you were uh, doing Doing well, and you were a minority. You either moved into Warrensville. Uh, for me, I grew up. Um, we were in Highland Hills, so um, not necessarily Warrensville, but we used the Warrensville school systems. Uh, so you wanted to move into that area. You wanted to move into Shaker Heights, Beachwood uh, was another uh, surrounding suburb, and so um, to be surrounded by other well-to-do African-Americans who came from similar backgrounds. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of my classmates and I were pretty much still close. Uh, we all, you know, stay in touch either through Facebook or, you know, whenever I come home, I'll see them. And, you know, it's just good. One of my classmates happens to be superintendent now of Warrensville uh, school systems. Uh, so Mr. Jolly. very well. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, jo- Donald and I were in classes together. He was actually the class clown along with another uh, one of our classmates. So <laughs> to be able to see his transition, <laughs> you know, has been amazing. Uh-huh. And so I am surrounded by classmates who have done amazing all of our families you know uh, came from similar backgrounds a lot of our parents came from the south and you know had good jobs and were able to give to us and so just being able to be surrounded by that it was it was almost like we were in a bubble because um not a lot of people can say that they grew up in that kind of atmosphere um and so you know when the cop show um and and different world came out you know people like oh my god that's not real but i'm like that is real that's the life that i actually grew up in you know i didn't grow up poor and so i'm not even going to claim that um so um you know it is possible to have a good life the way that we had in warrensville and so you know coming down to atlanta it was almost like the same thing here. Uh, seeing other well-to-do African Americans and minorities, and the experience kind of reminds me of where I grew up. You know, everybody, um, you know, helping everybody, and really, really, you know, kind of um, the rallying around you mm-hmm. and being your biggest cheerleaders. And that's something that I experienced in Warrensville. I had the best teachers from Warrensville. I wouldn't trade my childhood for anything. I wouldn't trade my college experience for anything or any of my experiences because that's who, you know, how I have been shaped and uh, how I am the woman that I am today because of those experiences. Okay. I like all that. Now, what about the climate in Atlanta? How do you handle the heat? Stay inside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think because of the fact um, I did come down to college, I kind of got acclimated um, to the heat. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you just use common sense. You don't, you know, you try not to go outside during the hottest uh, times, which yeah. is um, around noon to, you know, 3 p.m. Like right. today, it's supposed to be 94 degrees. So I'm yeah. going to try to, you know, stay indoors um, as much as I can. going to, you know, wear my sunscreen when I go out yeah. um, and wear my you know, sunglasses. So you just have to, you know, um, just, be, you know, have common sense about you, so to speak. But, yeah, it does get hot down here. It's not called hot Atlanta for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Um, now, another interesting part of your background is you were an intern at what was Mount Sinai Hospital, uh, no longer exists, but you were in their surgical intensive care unit. Can you talk about that experience? Yeah, so um, my um, principal at the time, my high school principal, um, had a friend who was actually the director of the surgical intensive care unit at Mount Sinai. And uh, they had a program where they would bring um, high school students in and basically shadow 
the uh, doctors from the SICU. And so um, I was uh, chosen uh, to be that intern. And so for the summer, I uh, was able to hang out with the residents and the um, the uh, director and all the staff. And that's where I was introduced to cardiothoracic surgery because at first I wanted to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. After that experience, I love cardiothoracic. And then as I went through medical school and residence, um, and subsequently residency, I'm like, yeah, you know, it was taking me forever to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. But, you know, um, I still love everything about the heart. But that's where it really solidified for me that medicine was definitely the route that I wanted to go. Yeah. Okay. Well, just one more piece of the puzzle here. You did a residency at Ohio State in obstetrics and gynecology. So that that's probably what's right, solidified it for you, I imagine. Yes, yes. So um, I actually did my intern year in um, Virginia, and then I transferred into uh, Ohio State's uh, program. Um, and I, you know, I had longed to come back home to Ohio uh, to finish up, and um, I just, by the grace of God, was able to get a spot. Uh, a spot had opened up at Ohio State, um, and I applied for it, got it, and finished up uh, my residency there. So I was closer to home, closer to my family, and, you know, it. Um, I hated residency, <laughs> you know, um, it was just very grueling, but I knew it was a means to an end. And so, you know, you can do anything. I had to psych myself out. You can do anything for four years. You know, everything that I've done has had been in fours up until that point anyway. So, um, you know, by the time I got done with residency, I was, you know, happy. But I also longed to, at that point, go back to Atlanta, um, which was my second home that shaped who I am. And so um, I was able to get back to Atlanta. After that, I have been pretty much ever since. Now, you went right into private practice after your res- uh, your residency. And I'm just wondering, at this point, do you have any idea how many babies you've delivered? <laughs> I have none. I have no idea. <laughs> Let's let, let me throw some names out. I, more than a thousand? I used to keep up. I can't. I can't even speculate. I, you know, used to keep up with it more in residency, just because we had to keep up with those numbers. Yeah. But once I got out, it just was all a blur. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, it definitely a um, uh, few hundreds. Um, if not, probably upwards of thousands. Okay. So. Isn't that an amazing thing? <laughs> you brought all those people into the world. I don't know. I just think, you know, it's it's a specialty unlike any others in terms of the impact like that long term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's either, it can either be really, really good or it can go to pot very quickly. Uh, so you always have to... Um, Stand on uh, on guard and be on your P's and Q's and yeah. um, not, you know, let anything um, be taken for granted. Bringing life into the world is a beautiful thing. So we need to be able to see the baby first um, and then t- uh, to be able to hand that uh, baby over to their parents after I deliver is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, just to be a part of that. Matter of fact, uh, one of my patients, um, 
I, uh, usually don't allow for cameras or videotaping uh, while I'm uh, doing the delivery, but afterwards, the father um, had a radio show, and so he wanted me to be on that radio show. And uh, so I granted him that interview, and actually to this day, uh, we are still friends. They actually moved back to the Atlanta area recently, and um, he follows me on my social media. I follow him. Uh, the Biddy B is, is now pretty much a teenager, <laughs> and uh, just to be able to watch her grow up, you know, this is a baby that I brought to the world, and to be able to see that um, is amazing. Yeah. Another component of what you do has been work with um, Covenant Community. So that's a face, faith-based life stabilization program. Maybe people who have um, gotten involved with drugs. I'm not sure, but can you talk about that? Sure. So actually how I got into it was through medical school. So my medical school was the first uh, medical school in the country to have uh uh, what we call a weekend intervention program was actually a program that every other uh, facility based off of because of the success rate with it. I was um, the first medical student to actually become um, a certified uh, counselor. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how I would, my extra money during medical school was I would work the weekend uh, program. And so after that, I you know just continued with my work um, and when I moved back to Atlanta, I had a friend of mine who was actually director of Covenant Community at the time, and they needed a um, medical doctor because um, for most programs, it is a state requirement that you have a physician um, that is um, underneath the umbrella for admissions and things like that. So she knew about my work and uh, she said, you know, would you like to come aboard? And I did, I loved the program. I love the fact that the program had such a, a great success rate. And I've been with them now since 2011. I'm a board member now, so I'm no longer the medical director as I was before. Um, but just to be able to be a part of that journey with uh, the guys, they, you know, have gone through so much. They are recovering addicts of whatever addiction they had, be it alcohol, be it a uh, drug of their choice. But to be able to watch them get back on their feet, to be able to watch them get jobs and be responsible, paying bills and, you know, getting their families back. Because a lot of them lost families and they lost friends during their addiction phase. And so watching them be able to make amends with their families and their friends uh, to be able to continue on their sober journey, that is the, one of the most rewarding things that I do. Yeah, that sounds extremely rewarding. Um, you know, I'm I'm thinking people might want to sort of plug into Tammy Prince, and you said you're on, active on social media. So where can people find you? First, if uh, you want to reach me, I'm either because I uh, do consulting work for my nation's bedside doctor with the patient advocacy. You can go onto my website, www.nations bedsidedoctor.com um, I am on all the social media sites so um, under Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. is under Dr. TM Prince 4 under Facebook I am uh, Dr. TM Prince 4 at the nation's bedside doctor 
Okay, good. I'm glad. I, I just want people to have that info because I think it could, you know, it's it's <laughs> very valuable. To, and um, and I love to interact with uh, people on uh, social media. So you know, if I post, I you know post all sorts of medical um, tidbits and also just some kind of inspirational quotes. So if you interact with me and ask a question or, um, you know, make a comment, I am, you know, usually good about uh, commenting uh, back. Okay. Another amazing thing you did is you performed some mission work in disaster areas in Haiti. And it was part, part of your activity was building a source of clean water as well as providing medical medical care. So what do you remember from that experience? The people, you know, the people were so grateful because, you know, they basically used the same water for cleaning and cooking, and they didn't know anything different. They didn't know how bad that can be for their health uh, overall. And so for us, um, I did this uh, mission trip through my church, Impact uh, Church, and what we did was we came in and uh, basically helped to build a whole water, a new water system where they can get clean uh, water to take showers and uh, also uh, clean water uh, to cook with. And it was all powered by solar, so mm-hmm. they didn't have to worry about electricity um, as, as long as they were, you know, um, having the solar panels recharged, which obviously they would uh, because of where Haiti is, um, they had the water that they needed to survive. Mm-hmm. And just being able to see the look on their faces when we were finished and to be able to see the running water, that was everything. Um, the people there are so grateful. They, you know, are still not recovered from the earthquake that happened. God knows how long ago now. And... It's really sad, saddens me to know that there are other communities like Don Don, like that, that have been untouched. And for us to be able to change uh, the people of Don Don's lives, that meant the most. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, I mean, you're, you're having such an impact in so many different directions. It's extremely impressive. Now, I think you have a little bit of wanderlust, too. You say that you enjoy traveling the world to discover uh, how medicine is practiced in other countries while finding, I suppose we could say, traction with just immersion in other cultures. So is there any place that stands out that you've been to that you've really enjoyed? Um, I've enjoyed South Africa, Barbados, um, enjoyed a lot of different places and you know just to see how how people practice medicine um uh St. Kitts and Nevis um I went in and I um happened to know their government um pretty much everybody who they would be on um the same level as like um uh Joe Biden or um Mike Pence and you know, Donald Trump, those uh, kind of people, they took me around, they showed me the hospitals, and I was able to go in and kind of, you know, look and, and tell them, okay, this is where you need to improve. Um, it, it, it meant a lot to be able to um, have that trust, because <laughs> they, you know, obviously don't bring um, a lot of foreigners in to do that. So the fact that I was able to get that tour, um, that you know, meant a lot to me. 
but to also have an impact on, you know, the types of equipment that they were ordering or, you know, how they were practicing medicine, just giving them different tidbits on how to do surgical techniques and things like that. That meant a lot. But then I also learned from them as well because one of the things as a surgeon that, you know, you have to know is there's more than one way to skin a cat. And if you only know one way how to do a surgery, what happens is you have, you know, are encountered with something else and you have to try to figure out how to get out of that. Well, if you only know one way to do it, then, you know, bad things can happen. But if you know more than one way to be able to get up, get yourself out of trouble in surgery, then, um, you know, that is best for everyone. Mm-hmm. So just being able to take little tidbits back from, you know, the different countries and, and places that I've been to, that is how um, I have been successful as a surgeon and as a, as a doctor in general. Mm-hmm. Well, you've said you will always be a, a lifelong eager student. <laughs> so I think this speaks to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't think I can get through life without wanting to learn more about any subject. Yeah. You know, um, I've been told by my husband I'm a walking encyclopedia. <laughs> you know, I, I just start throwing out little tidbits of information. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I learn by seeing and, and, and doing and reading. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to have my brain working. And that's the way that you get your brain working is to learn right you know to teach your brain new pathways yeah and also i think you're someone who just pays attention you know that you you're you're just noticing all the time something to read something to listen to something to watch right just plugged in absolutely (laughs) absolutely you know i i i guess what um the old timers used to say, uh, I don't let grass grow underneath my feet. Yeah, <laughs> so right. I'm always moving about and yeah. and uh, wanting um, to, to know the latest and the greatest. Yeah. Um, because once again, that helps me um, in the long run. Mm-hmm. Last thing I'll, I'll throw in here is um, you said that you will always call Cleveland home. So I imagine you still have family here. I do. I do. My sister, my uncle, uh, my cousins are still there. And then, um, you know, friends uh, that I grew up with that I mm-hmm. consider family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, I'm living in Atlanta. Yes, I'm an Atlanta transplant. But Cleveland, I will always call home. And most specifically, Highland Hills. Yeah, matter of fact, um, my parents, when they sold um, my childhood home mm-hmm. and moved down uh, to Birmingham uh, about what, eight years ago now, we actually know the owner. And every now and again, when I come back to Cleveland, I do stop by uh, the home um, to, to see it and to kind of reminisce, um, you know, about the street and who I grew up with on the street. Matter of fact, those, um there are some families that when I was growing up, they're still there. So mm-hmm. it's really good uh, to, to, to reminisce like that and, and um, to know that I can call it home. Yeah. Did, didn't you tell me that your house was the hangout house <laughs> growing up? It was. And so the, the owner was saying that sometimes when he has people over, they'll make the comment, oh, yeah, we've been to this house before. <laughs> Yeah. So my sister and I, uh, you know, my, my parents did not like for us to 
go over to other people's homes um, and uh, to hang out. So they really made our home um, inviting. So mm-hmm. we had, you know, the playground in the backyard. Um, we had, um, matter of fact, inside of the home in the basement, my dad built a swing uh, set so that even if, you know, it was snowing outside or raining outside, we could still play. And so... Um, That's so cool. <laughs> you know, people just love to come over. Yeah, yeah, it is still there. But the owner actually didn't even know that it was there. I showed him where it was. He was like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize it was right there. No, because yeah. Daddy had put it up. So you know, when you were walking downstairs, you wouldn't actually run into the swing system. Yeah. But um, when I pulled it down, he was like, "Oh my god, I didn't even realize it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a whole swing set downstairs, nice. and um, I had you know always the latest and the greatest toys. So everybody would always want to come over uh, to the house. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand. All right, well, I I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here. Is there anything else you'd like to add? that I, I didn't mention? Yeah, so I'm actually working on my second book. Um, my second book is uh, geared towards patient advocacy. So I'm giving um, people pointers and tips on how um, they should approach their physician appointments. Um, so it's going to be pretty much a step-by-step. Um, we've got about... Five of the chapters written, um, we're hoping to have um, a late um, uh, September launch Okay, we're... Uh, for the book. So I'm very excited about it. We don't have a, a name just yet. So, <laughs> um, you know, I'm trying to come up with one right now. Matter of fact, if you, you know, um, subscribe to my social media um, sites and, you know, I may post the question, make sure you answer maybe your answer will be the book title. Well, that would be exciting. It, uh, how are your books sold? Are, are they through Amazon or like The Art of Practicing Passion? Where can people find that? You can get it through Amazon, uh, Barnes & Nobles um, also has it, so um, or me directly. Okay. All right. Well, website. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, Dr. Prince, I just want to thank you so much for your time, for sharing your life story. And and we're just honored to call you one of our Hall of Fame inductees. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go Tigers. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much.